Welcome to another exciting episode of LingoFest, a weekly podcast where we discuss digital audio and cutting-edge human language-based technology, robots that converse with humans, and how we can raise awareness in ourselves and those we engage to ensure that we build a healthy, sustainable future. This podcast is brought to you by Rokos. Companies with limited IT budgets and personnel can now get the same cybersecurity protection as big enterprises. Rokos's Secure Access Service Edge, SASE solution, with zero trust, provides enterprise-grade comprehensive cybersecurity so that you can focus on your business. For more, please visit rokos.com. That's R-O-Q-O-S.com. And now here's your host, Dr. Ahmed Bouzid, founder and CEO of Witlingo. Um, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, a few days ago on NPR, um, there was, I don't know if you saw this story about, um, and I'm, I'm going to read the quote here, um, quote, it was on June 7th, um, quote, in a very small trial done by doctors at New York's Memorial Sloan uh, Kettering Cancer Center, patients took a drug called the Starly Bomb for six months. The trial resulted in every single one of those tumors disappearing, okay? Um, the trial group includes just 18 people. Um, there's still more to be learned and so on and so forth. But some scientists say that this kind, these kinds of results have never been seen in the history of cancer research. Now, I don't think anyone, I mean, this is part of, um, I think the transhumanist agenda is, is, is taking care of, is like curing these diseases that have been plaguing humanity forever, uh, especially the scourge of cancer and all, uh, and other diseases, right? Um, so curing disease, obviously, is something that everybody's going to say, yes, we want, to, we want that to happen. My question to you is the following. As you um, sort of, this is a marketing question, so to speak, right? As you market transhumanism, um, would, it be, uh, would it be, I don't know, more um, penetrating, you know, in terms of being accepted as a movement if the focus was on curing these diseases? as opposed to doubling one's life. Um, the reason why I'm, I'm contrasting the two is that first one is completely non-controversial. Everybody will agree. But the second one, questions come up like, okay, so, okay, longevity, you, know, you live longer, there are consequences to that. So I'm productive for hundred years. And what happens to you know, the fact that now I have a network, uh, I have power, I have means, how can somebody else break into, you know, I'm not gonna leave my job. I love my job and so on and so forth. And so it creates all kinds of issues. Um, so in framing transhumanism, um, why isn't the focus more on the first one, which is curing diseases and all that, and it seems more like the second, which is more exciting, obviously, to the imagination of the of folks who are listening? Well, I, I think there's, there's a couple different reasons. First off, there's a lot of people trying to cure cancer. They've been done it a, uh, for a long time. And it, there's also the idea that, you know, a lot of transhumanists like myself would, are skeptical of big pharma. We think big pharma's in it for making money. We also aren't even sure big pharma really wants a cure. Uh, I mean, <laughs> all the pharmaceutical companies would eventually go out of business if the uh, transhumanists were successful. You know what I mean? So there is this, uh, you know, pull and push kind of situation going on. Uh, and I think, you know, transhumanists are much more swinging for the fences in terms of baseball. We really want home runs, grand slams. And because we're dying, you know, as, as I point out earlier in this uh, video, you know, 
One of the longtime uh, advocates of transhumanism, David Kakesh, has passed away uh, way before he was able to find the you know, necessary science to live indefinitely. And that is increasingly happening to older transhumanists as life in death take their, their toll. So the point is, I think a lot of transhumanists like myself are really working on much larger pictures of trying to overcome death because it means a lot to us to not have to pass away to actually keep whatever it is that is in our brains or memories or self or identity or, you know, and, and pursue forward. So that seems like a greater thing for me um, than trying to help cure cancer, which seems to have, you know, already, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of scientists and also hundreds of companies working on it. So I, I think, and also I think transhumanism, you have to understand it's, it's kind of like you need leadership for the entire world. Like if you take a look at Star Trek, you know, if you really look at how Star Trek unfolded, well, there would have been people that actually got us off planet in the first place. So we're sort of at the forefront, uh, the very first <laughs> munition people kind of going into this war to tackle these dreams. And if we can convince people to follow us, then we'll be better off. I see transhumanism like the environmental movement. The environmental movement, um, you know, not obviously the same ideals, but mm -hmm. on a similar trajectory. Environmentalists didn't begin by people saying, oh, let's, you know, protect the society saying, let's protect the planet. It began with a very few people trying to save whales. It began with a very few people trying to lock themselves into nuclear facilities so that we didn't have, you know, nuclear weapons and things like that. But that movement became something much larger that we consider green, that all of us recycle, all of us do this. It, you know, it's, it's way beyond the vision of the few people that started. So we think transhumanism sort of the same thing in 20 years. Transhumanism might be a lifestyle for the entire planet as we start saying, where can we go? What are the next planets that we can visit as different kind of biological entities, maybe AI entities, things like that. So it's a much larger thing. And the people at the front aren't concerned necessarily only with cancer. Don't get me wrong. We want to cure cancer, too, and heart disease and all that. But we're also envisioning a much more metaphysical concept of transhumanism. It's much bigger. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's almost like a religion. It's something that's going to encompass all of our being as we, you know, hopefully evolve into something better and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. So you're saying there is a, there's value in, um, in pushing the envelope, um, right. Uh, and as opposed to starting from things that are, you know, everybody understands them, right. I'm going to push the envelope and, and we'll create a movement and so forth. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, so uh, let's see here. I have about um, 15 minutes to go. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I know, I know that you said, um, because I've seen multiple videos I was preparing for this, um, that you're not advocating for living forever as such, right? Um, for everyone. Um, uh, that there, it's, it's more nuanced. Um, your camera is just... Sorry, I'll be right back. I don't know how to turn this off. <laughs> ah. Okay, good, good, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, your position is nuanced, more, is a bit more nuanced than simply saying, you know, let's live forever. Um, but before I let you answer, let me just uh, uh, say a couple of things. Um, death, uh, as we know it, right, um, is, is part of life, um, as, as we say in our culture, right? You know, you know, in our, I come from North Africa, Algeria, Muslim country, right? Death is part of life, right? And it is part of the cycle. Um, and um, meaning, meaning, uh, the meaning of what I do and the meaning of my life and the narrative that I have in my head and so forth 
um, has death in it. And without without that death, that meaning, I don't know if it will be lost or it will be re, has to be refactored, so to speak, speaking as a coder. Um, but um, how, since meaning, it seems to me, is the most important thing um, for all of us human beings. People who have means, who are rich, who are beautiful, who have health, and who have uh, everything that one can think of, kill themselves because they don't have meaning in their life. They're sort of, their life is purposeless, right? Um, so it seems to me that, um, so it seems to me that the question of meaning doesn't seem to be addressed as much, and, and, and probably it's because I'm not educated enough in, 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 your, in the movement. Um, but the fact that the centrality of meaning in, 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 in the human being's life uh, and the role that death plays in it um, creates this question of, okay, if you remove death, are you jeopardizing meaning? If you're jeopardizing meaning, are you, are you creating human beings who are going to be um, infinitely more unhappy <laughs> than, they, than they were when they had all these limitations? Go ahead. Well, I, I think this is one of the, you know, I get two big questions. The first one is, if nobody dies, what do we do with overpopulation? And the second one is, without death, how do we deal with, you know, does life even have meaning because we just live indefinitely and it's almost like the great philosophical concept where they shoot you up in space in a happy tube and you're happy 100% for the rest of infinity. And does that even make, is it worth it to be happy for infinity? Do you even notice what happiness is anymore? Um, so, you know, my, my, my central response to this and, and, and I, you know, everybody worries about this. I worry too. So look, there, there's no question. If you take away death, you're going to lose some meaning. There's no question that's going to happen. However, if we remain biological human beings, that become, that's a conundrum to worry about. Maybe then you don't want to live more than 500 years. Maybe you don't want to live more than 1,000 because it gets boring. But we're not going to remain human beings. That's the whole point. We're not going to see the world through an anthropological kind of vision with three pounds or, you know, two kilos on our shoulders of, of meat that has, you know, a billion, 86 billion or whatever. We're going to be something much more. We're going to be tied to AI. We're going to become a hive mind. We're going to become intelligent in the sense that what gods would be intelligent like. We're going to become millions of times more intelligent. We're going to have senses that might have millions of senses as opposed to the five main ones we have now. So our idea of meaning, our idea of complexity, our idea of value, whether we die or not, will change so dramatically. And add to that, given the idea of a singularity and an expanding kind of logical framework of what the universe and what ourselves could be, we will be evolving so quickly that change and meaning will be also be evolving, maybe evolving into far more complex concepts. And therefore, we'll never even have, I actually see that we're going to have dramatically more meaning in, a, in a 100, 200 years, once our brains are become much more intelligent through AI and whatever comes after AI. I see meaning exploding in the sense of what it is now. And I think that's really important because what's happening is that, um, you know, I mean, our brains think we have meaning now given this three pounds of meat on our shoulders. But if we become far more intelligent, an entity that spans the cosmos, our sense of meaning could be dramatically not only altered, but evolved into something much grander. So I don't worry about losing meaning just because our biological selves no longer die. What I'm interested in is the new types of meaning, the much greater, probably uh, millions of times stronger meanings that I can achieve by having a greater consciousness, a greater intellect. So your answer really is that um, 
you believe that the the the, uh, the questioner will will disappear, as it were, or or will become something else, or the questioner will not be meaningful, right? In the sense that, oh, yeah, as long as we evolve into something different, and especially increase our intellect through AI and whatever comes after AI. Um, we're going to have huge new forms of meaning. To think right now that you and I understand the universe, like you and I have meaning. This is meaning, my kids, my properties, whatever it is, you know. But once our brains span the cosmos, once we expand our entire intellect and things like this through AI and through different types of technologies, meaning is going to take on huge new forms. So even if we don't die, in the evolving capacity of the microprocessor of technology itself, Meaning is going to be transforming itself continually, and we're never going to have enough meaning. We're never going to be able to actually probably take it all in because we're probably are never, you know, the whole thing with singularity, for example, is that they say you know, the last five seconds, the first five seconds of the singularity will have more information than all of history combined. So think of all the meaning in all the history combined so far, and then in five seconds, you have more than that. It, you know, in five seconds versus what, 4.5 billion years, life of the planet Earth. So this is what I'm trying to say. Meaning the way we perceive it right now in an anthropological sense with our brain, a little tiny piece of meat, um, is, is I think very insignificant compared to what it could be once we're interconnected either with each other or with the hive mind or with AI, an AI that has servers that fill up skyscrapers and the computational capabilities are dramatically far uh, superior than what the human brain is capable of. That's when I think we're going to find new forms of meaning. And because technology keeps evolving, our version of meaning is going to evolve too. And we'll never, never get enough meaning. We'll have, we'll be on like a, addicted to more and more meaning as the, as the, the universe becomes kind of revealed to us. I, I think um, the, the, the greatest tragedy, the greatest tragedy, of course, is, 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 is dying because we don't get to see the new types of meanings that are going to come. Uh, you know, I, right now, if it was to be on a scale of, you know, one to, uh, to uh, 100, I would say we we've have a, right now we understand a fraction of meaning uh, in, in what is possible in the universe. But later in 100, 200,000, 5,000 years, you know, humans, whatever they evolve to, are going to start to understand greater concepts of meaning. And uh, so I'm not, I think the, the big tragedy is not that we eliminate death. It's that we have death. Okay. So um, let's, let's spend the next 10 minutes. We have 10 minutes left talking about whether death uh, is a beautiful thing or whether it's a tragedy, right? Uh, one can argue that death is a beautiful thing, thing because um, you go into oblivion um, and there's no more pain. Right, no more, uh, we're no longer afraid. I mean, we live in, I mean, human beings up to this point, at least, I don't know how they will become, you know, in your, in your conception of the future, um, are, are basically like all creatures, you know, all about surviving, survive, survive, survive. You know, there, there, there is a million uh, threats, um, disease, you know, something can fall on your head, you can lose your child. It's just, just life is full of apprehension and fear, right? And yet somehow we human beings have um, developed this, this amazing skill of being able to wake up in the morning and just face the uncertain world out there, right? Uh, when you wake up in the morning, you don't know if you're going to die in five minutes, in 10 minutes. And yet our brain and we as human beings have been able to survive with that level of uncertainty, right? And so one can argue, I'm not arguing it, but one can argue that the cessation of that state, that state of constant worry and agitation and all that 
um, is a good thing. And um, for billions of years, right, you know, we, like Mark Twain said, uh, what was the thing he says that um, the reason why people celebrate when there's a birth and, and they, they cry when there's a funeral is, is, is because they're not directly involved. Meaning uh, one should cry when somebody is born and, and be celebrated when, when, uh, when, when they die, right? So that's an interesting, insightful, um, you know, way of putting things that uh, touches on the fact that forever, you know, billions of years, we didn't exist and we didn't experience any pain and so forth. And then all of a sudden started experiencing the world and the world for the vast majority of people in the vast majority of our history has been just, you know, pain, pain, pain with little distractions here and there, right, of, of joy and then pain, 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 worry, worry, worry for the vast majority of people and you have wars and you have that and that and that. So I can say, one can say that uh, uh, death is a beautiful thing because imagine, wow, you mean there is a point in life when I'm going to stop this freaking worrying and I will go into beautiful uh, oblivion? So that's one. Yours, I think, says that it's a tragedy because, because you value being sentient, you value life, you value experience, you value uh, and so on and so forth. So maybe you can contrast between, uh, by taking the first argument seriously, you know, the one where death is viewed as not only a natural thing, but a thing that is a mercy, the mercy of death, of finally having finished your presence on this very unstable world and you are going into, you know, whether heaven or oblivion. Well, I, look, I think people can, you know, at the end of my father's life, um, which kind of that is f featured in that documentary you mentioned, like Immortality or Bust, um, you know, he was ready to go. He was, I already had four heart attacks. He was diabetic. He was gaining too much weight. He was on the verge of losing feet because of poor circulation issues. He was like, get me out of here, you know? Yeah. And uh, I understood that. And there was no fixing him anymore. There was no way, you know, blood vessels were clogged and all this other stuff. And he was ready. And he was a, just a secular person who was just like, I am so ready to get out, check out and go to oblivion. And I think for someone like him, and I think for, you know, millions, perhaps billions of others, that's absolutely acceptable. I think the difference with transhumanists is that we truly love life. We love it enough to dedicate, to make a transhumanist wager, to dedicate our efforts, our energy, our time towards trying to find a solution uh, now to overcoming death. Now, if we didn't love it enough, we wouldn't do it. We'd be like, eh, whatever. I'm, I'm happy to check out or I'm happy to have my 80 years here or 70 years, whatever it is. But the thing with transhumanists is we're in love with life. We're passionately engaged in wanting to stay alive because that's the highest priority for us. There are plenty of people who also love life, who value life, but for them, they just see it as a short blip and they're ready to go to oblivion. And But I mean, if you really love life, you're never going to say that. You know, I mean, they, they may like say they love life uh, and they probably like it a lot and they think it's great. But um, if they're, they don't believe in an afterlife and they choose not to help the transhumanists out to overcome death, then I believe that they, and they're given a choice. They, they see that what they could do. They could, for example, donate money to scientists working on life saving. If they choose not to help, then they don't really love it enough. They're just like, well, I, I want to be El Natural and, and pass away and join oblivion. Um, but you know the transhumans because they never give up. They're fighting for their life like I am day to day. I mean, it's why I'm doing this interview. I am out there trying to do my best to, get, to inform people that we all need to make a transhumanist wager. We all need to dedicate our resources and time to overcoming death because it 
we value life so much and we don't want to see it. So I just think there's a real clear dichotomy there. There's those who don't value it enough and don't want to contribute towards overcoming death. And there's those who are acceptable with it, either whether they go into oblivion or more, you know, more from a population perspective, whether they join their so-called makers, uh, you know, in, in religion. But uh, yeah, I mean, transhumans just want to live and that's it. I'm going to do it. And, but there may come a day when I'm like my father. Maybe I'm so old. I'm like, just take me, <laughs> you know, but right now I'm nowhere near that. I think most yeah. transhumans who are working on life extension aren't either. Well, do you think that, uh, let's say, um, let's say we have solved aging, <clears throat> which is it's completely, I think, within reach in terms of uh, a problem that can be solved, right? We solve aging and uh, your cells um, figure out a way to stay young and your heart stays young, everything stays as it is, and therefore you can stay, you know, you can live for a long, long, long time. Do you, um, I don't know if it's a fair question, actually. Do you uh, do you just want to live on and on and on, or do you think there'll be a time where you say, you know what, um, I think that's enough, uh, or is it, is it a question that I, you know it doesn't make sense to ask at this point? No, it, it does, and and I, it's a great question. I, I think I want most importantly, I want that choice. I mean, if you ask me, the most important reason I'm trying to live forever, it's because I want to have the choice on. You know, the, the libertarian in me is like, look, I hate the specter of death hanging over me. I can't believe that I'm sitting here in Napa and any moment an asteroid could come or I could have my first heart attack. And all of a sudden, that's it. I don't, That's unacceptable to me. And I think it's unacceptable to most transhumanists. So mo first and most importantly, we want power over that specter of death. Now, that doesn't mean that if I got stuck in a biological body after 382 years, I'd be like, oh, I've had enough. I've had enough you know, marriages, enough kids, you know, I've done enough sports, have three PhDs, whatever. Maybe then it's time to go into oblivion. Um, but the, the truth is, like, given 100 years, we won't be humans anymore, I don't believe. Or uh, given 200 years, we definitely won't. So we're going to evolve into something else. And that's when we get into what I talked about, which is it's not just about overcoming death now. By overcoming death today, we get a ticket to the future. And the future is that our brains might end up spanning the cosmos in some ones and zeros or quantum computing mechanism that is a brand new consciousness that we're a part of. And that's really what excites me most. It's not just that I don't want to die because I'm not really afraid of dying. I think oblivion is oblivion. Oblivion is like a blank nothing, <laughs> but that's not very scary to me. But what's sad to me is to miss the idea that I could be a part of the future, that I could be on a spaceship going across the planet as a cyborg, getting to discover brand new things, seeing what the universe actually is. It's the curiosity and the adventure in me that I really want to fulfill the most. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, tell you what, uh, Zoltan is one. Thank you so much. You are a busy, busy man. You uh, you gave me a whole hour, um, and I want to thank you sincerely for for that generosity. Um, I will definitely keep on um, following you. Um, the, uh, we will have a, a page that has this um, interview um, and we'll have a bunch of stuff on uh, links to your books. Uh, you have a bunch of books, you have document, couple of do one documentary about you and a couple of documentaries where you appeared. Um, obviously, um, um, a lot of other stuff that you're writing and so forth and website and so on. So we'll have all that. But if, um, if somebody wants to go um, and get the most out of you or find out, uh, is it um, um, your website? Can you tell the audience what the website is? Sure. You know, it's ZoltanIshvan.com. Um, uh, and if you just, you know, want to get a, a kind of a feel for a lot of my work, I've written the Zoltan Ishvan Futures Collection, which is seven books of all my essays. 
spanning from the New York Times to Vice to all the columns I've had. And then, of course, my novel is a transhumanist wager, which is very controversial. A lot of people dislike it. But at the same time, it is an interesting uh, science fiction book from a transhumanist perspective, and especially in a kind of an activist social uh, activist cultural perspective. So those are some of the things. And of course, follow me on social media. I try to post at least once a day. And watch, uh, watch a documentary, uh, Lowest Hanging Fruit. Uh, you'll get a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so the documentary is called Immortality of Bust. I apologize because we are fighting right now with getting the foreign rights out. So people outside of the United States cannot watch it. It did great in the United States. Amazon Prime picked it up. You can watch it everywhere, but especially on Amazon Prime. But we are still in the negotiating process right now with trying to get foreign rights out. And it has to go ahead and go country by country. So it might still, I thought it was going to be out last year. Uh, in, in England and, and, and Europe, but unfortunately, uh, that still hasn't happened. But uh, you can still find a lot on the website of Immortality yep. or Bust, and I promise you there's a very interesting documentary of me driving my coffin bus across the country during one of my presidential campaigns. Yeah, it's it's definitely more than interesting. It's fascinating. Well, thank you very much, Istvan, um, Zoltan Istvan, for your time and for all the things that you do. Thank you so much for this interview. It's been great talking to you. Wonderful. Thanks.